See, this is right hand. It's not even left handed to sing. All right, well, let me pack this away out of the way here. So it's good to be back with you uh, today. Today we, uh, we've been looking at the offices in the church and there are two offices, the office of a deacon and the office of a bishop. Now, there are other people within the church. We've looked at prophets. We've looked at teachers according to Ephesians chapter 4. And, of course, uh, uh, like I said to you, someone can be a, uh, a teacher of the Word of God without being a pastor. He can be a teacher of the Word of God without being a deacon. And so when we look at all of these things, it encompasses a lot when we are gifted according to Romans 12 and uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. Uh, we are people who should be gifted and you should know what your gifts are. Uh, you might have the ability to teach. Or you may be, you know, there's a gift there called a help. And I thank God for all those people in our church and ministries over the years that have been a help. They may not have a college degree, they may not be a preacher, they may not be able to do a lot of fancy stuff, but I thank God for the little things that people do. And I think many times we neglect the little things that people do in the church. And so we thank God for all those people in the church for all that they do, not only the little things but the big things. And uh, getting out on the street and giving out tracks is one of those things. Uh, sweeping the floor and vacuuming the church is another thing. I mean, you might think that's insignificant, but that's important because everybody plays a part in the church. We've all got a part to play in the body of Christ. We're all members of uh, his body and we should be functioning as members. And therefore, you should know what your gifts are or your talents are and you should be exercising them uh, in the church. So if you have the ability to uh, play a musical instrument, by all means, go ahead. Uh, and of course, if you have the ability to teach, uh, ask to teach a Sunday school class. Now, ladies, we don't allow you to teach men. Uh, we don't allow you to preach. Sorry. No, not, not sorry. Uh, the Word of God teaches us. I mean, it beats me how they can even get around this when you read over in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, 13 and 14, that, you know, we are allowed to uh, speak, prophesy, teach, uh, but it's forbidden for women to speak in church. So how can they get around this and have women pastors? You know, women evangelists, women preachers, and even women deacons. No such thing. As you look at the definition of these things within the scripture, it's quite clear uh, the office of a deacon and the office of a pastor uh, they are referring to males and they are not referring to females. And so we need to uh, clarify that. So thank God the Word of God points all of these things out and clarifies all this stuff. And so we want to just uh, make a few things clear for you. Uh, the evangelist, he's the guy who goes out and spreads the good tidings. And basically that's his position. That's what he does. That's his profession. He goes from place to place, whereas a pastor or a bishop is usually in one place for a certain amount of time. So I believe the Apostle Paul, though he was an apostle, apostolos, even though he was uh, uh, an evangelist, he went spreading the good tidings, he was a church planter or a wise master builder, he was a teacher of God's word. And so as we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, we can learn much about the church and about the people who go about preaching and teaching even about Barnabas and Silas and men like that. They were great preachers and great teachers. 
And we know even spirit-filled men can have problems with one another when they allow flesh and blood to enter into the argument. Think about Barnabas was the guy who stood up for Saul of Tarsus when he just got saved and said, yep, allow him to preach. He's one of us. He's come to know the Lord. But later on, you'll find that uh, when they were out on the mission field, they took John Mark with them and they went to the mission field and great things were happening. And then all of a sudden, John Mark uh, packed up his bat and ball and left and went home. And so next time they were going out, Barnabas said, why don't we take John Mark with us? And Paul said, no, I don't think that's a very good idea. The Bible says the contention was so sharp between them, they divided asunder from one another. So Paul uh, went with the approval of the church onto the mission field. Barnabas packed up and went back to Cyprus. And so we know later on that Paul wrote and he said, you know, be sure to bring John Mark with you if he's going to be good for the ministry. So we know Paul wasn't one to hold grudges, but he also allowed people to grow. So Paul was not only a, a, a missionary, an apostolon, he was sent out by the Lord and he was planting churches, okay? Uh, we read over there in uh, Acts that he was at the church at Corinth for how long? Does anybody know? A year and a half. A year and a half. He was there teaching and training those people and I said it was a troubled church, that's for sure. But he was doing uh, the work of an apostle planting churches as a missionary planting churches. He was doing the work of the pastor there also um, training those people, teaching those people, nurturing those people and he even had to write an epistle to, a couple of epistles. First one to correct a lot of things that needed to be made right in that church. So he was a great preacher, a great teacher. So if you're a pastor here today or a bishop here today, you should be a teacher. You should be apt to teach. If you are a deacon here today, uh, the Bible teaches us as a deacon, you are a man that serves the church and you're there to serve the people. Go over to the book of Acts here a minute, chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. It says in verse 1, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because the widows were neglected in daily ministration. It's an interesting word. So then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples together. And incidentally, there was eleven and they had to elect one. And of course, you find that in the early chapter of Acts here where they selected somebody to take the place of Judas Iscariot. And another one let uh, somebody take his bishopric. So Judas Iscariot was included amongst the apostles, but he was a dud, he was a false one. So as you look here in Acts chapter 6, there was a problem arisen in the church. See, this was leading up to something here. What was it leading up to? It was leading up to the destruction of the church. So there's trouble in the church in Acts chapter 6. There's Stephen out there witnessing in Acts chapter 7. And at uh, Acts chapter 8, the church is destroyed. So have a look here. That, so the trouble arises here in verse 1, verse 2. The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Oh, you know, so the apostles were saying, you know, we're running around doing everything. We need somebody to wait on tables. We need somebody to do the ministry of a servant. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ was a servant. I mean, he told his disciples that they were uh, to be servants. And so, verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, 
full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Two interesting words in the New Testament, ordain and appoint. I won't get into those now. We might develop those later on. So men could be appointed, they could be elected, and they could be ordained. And that's the responsibility of the church to do that. So they came together and they said that we need seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Look, you're not going to give somebody a job just to give them a job in the local church. That's a mistake a lot of preachers make. Just give somebody a job for something to do. Keep them busy. Keep them out of mischief. No. You want somebody you can trust. Someone that's going to be reliable, even with the simple things. Why? Can't you just give a job to anybody? Well, you want somebody that you can trust. A man asked me in Townsville many years ago, and believe it or not, he was a man's man, but he ran a bridal shop. Don't you girls make fun of that either, okay? He was a Vietnam veteran. But he said to me one time, he said, Bernard, he said, you know, I want to employ people, but I want to employ people and do the right thing by them, he says. And he says, I don't know how to judge who to put where. He said, can you give me a biblical principle to try people out? I said, yes. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ said, he that is faithful in that which is least shall be faithful also in much. said, if you give somebody a job, interview them, Say, how do you feel about sweeping the floor? If they say, ah, man, I want bigger things than that, get get rid of them. But if they say, yeah, I'm willing to do that, well, that's a good uh, way to test them and try them out. If a person's not going to be faithful in the little things, hey, the big things aren't going to matter. That's a biblical principle. And so when it comes to giving somebody a job in the church, give somebody a responsibility that's going to do the job that you can trust. Look at Joseph. I mean, an Old Testament kid at 17, he could be trusted with anything. And listen, Potiphar, the, king of, uh, the, the king's you know, chief captain of his army, he trusted Joseph with everything. Put him in charge of the house, put him in charge of the farm. He didn't even know what he was getting for breakfast. He left that in Joseph's care. Why? Because he trusted him. It wasn't just a kid, see what he can do, what he can accomplish. Same with the jailer. He looked at Joseph when Joseph was in jail. He said, you know what? This kid can be trusted. Whatever you give him to do, he does it with all of his might. He does it faithfully. He saw that God was with Joseph. And of course, we know the rest of the story. Pharaoh saw the same thing in Joseph. Here's a man that knows God, knows what God's talking about. Joseph was a prophet. And he said, hey, this is what's going to happen. Joseph as a prophet told his own brothers what was going to happen when he was 17 years of age. It wasn't until he was about 41 or 42 that that came to fruition. Told his brothers when he was 17, one day you'll bow down before me. And they said, ah, that's not going to happen. But after about 41, about 40 or 41 or 42, those brothers came down to Egypt and they met the governor of Egypt, didn't know who he was. He knew who they were. And of course, uh, they were brought in before the governor. And guess what? Like everybody else, they had to bow down before him. So you can trust the word of God. Joseph was a man who could be trusted. But don't just put somebody into a position in a local church just to give them something to do. Put somebody in there that you can trust. You're not going to get a man in to be a pastor that can't pastor. You're not going to get someone in to be a teacher who can't teach. So if you're a preacher and you don't like teaching, give it up. Okay. So a preacher should be a preacher and he should also be a teacher. I wrote, where did I put that thing? Look, 
Years ago, I wrote all these words here for a minister. That was 40 years ago, Brother David. Ah, look at all those words there. You know, a preacher covers all this stuff. Now, you wouldn't believe how much stuff and all this stuff in, all this stuff here. Look, I told you before, I write all this stuff on paper and then I put it in my Bible. When we look at the work of the ministry, it is a great work. It's for the Lord. And we're out there trying to not only reach people on the street, we're trying to bring them in, teach them the word of God, nurture them and train them up so that they too can be used of the Lord to go out and reach others. We believe in a self-propagating church. That means we go out and we reach people, we teach people, we train people to go out and reach people, that they can teach people, that they can train people. And that's a self-propagating church. That's something that's been initiated right from the very beginning here. I mean, it took Acts chapter 8 to bust that church apart and get it out on and doing God's will. And they went everywhere preaching the word. So, yeah, as you look there in Acts chapter 6, so they said, we need to get somebody to give a hand. And down there, it says in verse 4, we'll give ourselves uh, constantly, continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen, a man full of the Holy Ghost, the faith in the Holy Ghost, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, and Proselyte of Antioch. Who chose these men? It says down here, says they chose Stephen, the multitude. This was a, uh, a combined effort. The local church here says, why don't we take these guys? I know this fellow, I know this fellow, this fellow. These are men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, so they chose these men to carry on this ministry, this is what we would call the first deacons in the local church. Look at verse um, 8 there. Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now my own personal, this is a personal opinion. I reckon that these seven deacons here came out of the 70. Out of their 70 apostles. Because the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he had given power to his disciples, his apostles, to what? Go out and to preach and to teach and to perform miracles and the truly the signs of an apostle throughout the book of Acts. Stephen, I believe, was one of those guys who was an apostle, disciple, gifted with those things, and yet he was a deacon. Now, you can challenge me on that if you like, but I think that uh, stacks up as you look down here. And so what happened to Stephen? He was out there preaching the word of God. He was challenged on the word of God and it cost him his life. And yet he was a deacon. He was out there preaching the word of God. So, you know, a deacon can be a preacher. A deacon can be a teacher. But he doesn't have to be a pastor or an elder. He can be an elder and be a deacon. He can be an elder and be a pastor or a bishop. Uh, so an elder is not always someone who holds a position of office. An elder can be an advisor, he can be a counsellor, he can be someone that, uh, as I said, is an authority on something without having the authority to do anything. So is that understandable? I hope so. So we do have uh, general practitioners and we have specialists. So when you look at it from the Word of God, the pastor, the bishop, uh, the evangelist, these guys are specialists. They've got their tasks and they've been uh, committed by God to these tasks, they've been ordained for these tasks. And of course, uh, when you look at so many things that so many of these people do in the local church, mate, it covers a multiplicity and a multitude of things that they do, even though one can be a pastor or a bishop, 
One can be a deacon or an evangelist, and you'll see they're doing things. Well, they don't just sit back and say, well, I don't do that because I'm, I'm an evangelist. I don't do that because I'm a pastor. Well, I don't do that because I'm a deacon. I mean, when you look at the whole of the New Testament book of Acts, you see what they did in the local church there. This church is forming and it's getting organized, and it will uh, have these epistles written to it to know how to behave ourselves in the church of God how we're to do things and what we're to think about and so forth and then the struggles we'll have as Christians, how that we'll have battles in our lives and, you know, all of these things are written by men of God, inspired by God, given a revelation uh, from God, put together for us to understand and propel us like me, preachers and evangelists, to teach. Shane did a good job there this morning teaching what he taught. I mean, it was concise, it was simple, it was understandable and I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it and I complimented him on that. So thank God you've got a teacher like that you can trust. Uh, we got men in our church up there in Townsville in Mackay told David, I said, if you ever have uh, a need for someone to get up and preach, get this man, this man or this man. You've got men in here that have the capability and the ability to preach and they know the word of God. You're not just going to pull somebody off and say, hey, you want to have a crack at this? <laughs> yeah, you know. We want to do things right. We want to do things in the right way. So when you look at the scriptures, yes, uh, the apostles, there was 12 of them. Then there were 70 of them. Then there was other apostles. And then, of course, there were false apostles. And so when we look at the word of God, the church is made up of members, common people. And the common people heard him gladly. And out of those, they chose deacons. And, of course, there are evangelists that are chosen, called, anointed, appointed, deacons, also called, anointed, uh, uh, it's a, an officer can be desired. I mean, when I was 24 years of age, I was saved a year. And I got a lot of opposition from people who thought, yeah, he'll never be a preacher. I thought, yeah. But, you know, God spoke to me and pressed upon me that he wanted me to be a preacher. And I went to Brother Manley and I said, Brother Manley, I believe God's called me to preach. He said, right. So let's put him in the saddle. And see what he's made of. And you know what? Those guys stayed with me. They nurtured me. They trained me. They taught me. They, yeah. Did I make mistakes? Yes. Did I get some rebukes? Yes. But you know what? Those guys didn't uh, uh, bring me to the church and say, let's give him a try. After uh, a year of getting into the Word of God, reading 10 chapters of God's Word a day, you get through the Word of God uh, in four months. And I did that over and over and over and over. And I learned so much from the Word of God. I was so hungry. And then I said to Brother Manley, I said, I'd like to uh, teach a Sunday school class or something. He said, well, if you feel the Lord's called you to preach, you need to start preparing for it. So I started preparing for that with a whole heap of stuff. And time came when uh, the people said, yes, we believe you have the ability to get in there and to uh, be a pastor. I got ordained in 1975 got called when I was uh, 1974, I was 25 when I got ordained. And you know, um, these people trusted me because I already started to learn the Word of God, was able to teach it and train it, uh, train people and um, have Sunday school classes and youth groups and that sort of stuff. And that's where it starts. Uh, when I first met David, what were you doing up in Melanda? You were running youth groups, you were the treasurer, what else were you doing? You were preaching? Yeah. yeah. Doing all that. And Buddy said, why don't you come up and have a talk to this young fellow? We were looking for a pastor, a man who would be a bishop, a man who could preach and teach, a man who could look after church. We went up and talked to David. 
uh, on the recommendation of his pastor and his church. And he said, well, I'll pray about it. I'll come down and talk to your people. And he did. And the church uh, called him. And uh, we went up and our church partook in his ordination up there in Melanda. And he came down and became our pastor because he had the commendation, recommendation of his pastor and his church. And, you know, that's the way it works. Uh, watch out for those guys who are lone rangers, you know. They're out there. They don't have any approval of anybody. They, uh, they never work with anybody and, uh, you know, come in, trust me, I'm new at this. You know, I've never done this before. Yeah, I don't think so. But anyway, so you have deacons. They are servants. They are the ones that take care of the mini minuscule things, the minute things, and yet sometimes they can be great big things that uh, deacons will take care of. So thank God for deacons. And there, of course, there are requirements in the scriptures for deacons, just like there is for pastors. And so as we look at the word of God, let me just give you some of these things I wrote down many years ago uh, about uh, deacons and pastors. The word pastor poemon, we already looked at that. It, it's covered under the word episcopé, office, uh, bishop, visitation to, episcopio, uh, look diligently, take oversight, episkopos, bishop four, overseer one. I mean, there's many, many uh, words that define what a bishop and a pastor is. There are words that define what a deacon is. And so a deacon is a servant, but then a pastor is a servant, but then an evangelist is a servant. So when you get down to it, every one of us are servants of the Lord, and we should never diminish from that. There is the office of the deacon, and they need to be respected. Uh, they need to be uh, looked at as men of God who've been put into that office, and they are put there to be a servant of the Lord. Look at Romans chapter uh, 13 and verse 4. Even the, uh, the government that we have, the same word is used for them as used for a deacon. And yet... We used to call them public servants, but you know what? They try to act like public masters. Uh, we're supposed to be their masters, and they're supposed to be our slaves, but somehow it got turned around. So Romans chapter 13 and verse 4, as you look at this here, Romans 13, 4, For he is the minister of God to thee for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. He's just like, the government's like a deacon of God, not a part of the church, but that same word is used. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, he says now uh, that he was a servant. He says, if any man uh, among you is going to be a, a leader, he's got to be a what? He's got to be a servant. So where does it all start? It starts off being a servant. And from that uh, service... You can promote yourself or be promoted by the church or by the Lord to be a deacon, Sunday school teacher. You can be a pastor. You can desire the office of a, a bishop and you can be elected, appointed, chosen by the church. Turn to Acts chapter 13. Now these guys have been labouring in the church there at Antioch. Uh, so the church at Jerusalem is actually playing second fiddle to the church at Antioch now because this is the one that's sending out the missionaries this is the one to whom the missionaries return and give reports to. And so, yeah, but Jerusalem says, well, I hear this is going on. Somebody needs to go check on that. Yeah, well, don't worry. The local churches were getting the job done because there were faithful people and there were not only 
deacons and uh, evangelists, but there were common people out there doing the job. Acts chapter 13, look down verse 1. There were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. So the Holy Spirit says to the church, I want you to separate these two guys for I have chosen them for this work. This is what I want them to do. Look on down. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away, just like apostles. They sent them out as missionaries. They were called by the Holy Spirit, called by the church. They were anointed and appointed by the church and the Holy Ghost, verse 4. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Well, hang on a minute. I thought it says the church sent them. Well, it did. Verse 3, it says they sent them away. Verse 4, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So here's the local church doing its job, selecting men under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, ordaining them, appointing them, anointing them, commissioning them and sending them or uh, putting them in their place as a deacon or even as uh, an evangelist or a pastor. And so we see this working in the church here. When they came back from the mission field, they came back and reported to the church there uh, at Antioch and they stayed there uh, for many months. And they, uh, what did they do when they came back? Well, they took a holiday. No, they didn't. They came back and they worked with the church and they continued to teach. Now, as you uh, look here in uh, Acts 15 and Acts chapter 16, I mean, they're ready to go after they've come back from Jerusalem. They're ready to tear off again to go to uh, the mission field. And that's what it's all about. The local churches out there working with a team of people. Now, I told Brother David, I've never classified, classified myself as a, a ruler as such. Now, you can uh, have the rule in the scriptures that says there are men that rule in the church, but they're not rulers. You can have rule... And you can exercise rule, but not be a ruler. You can find that in the New Testament. Uh, but anyway, I told David, I said, look, I'm a coach. I'm here training a team that I want to get behind me. I want the Sunday school teachers to be on my team. And I want them to be a benefit to this church, to work in this church. And I said, I want to work with these people. And this word uh, actually fits in with the New Testament. The guy who's up the front leading... He's not the ruler. He's the leader. It says the one who stands out in front, not given the orders, but the one who leads from the front so that he would have followers. See, the Lord Jesus Christ had men that were followers. He had women that were followers. And I thank God for the women in Jesus' ministry. You know that? When you think about the, the Bible tells us that the women ministered to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, they did a great uh, service. They were servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't deaconesses either. But you know what? They did the service of the ministry. They took care and looked after the Lord Jesus Christ. And you look at the humility and the simplicity of these women. They were doing a great job. So this is the sort of attitude we need in the local church. Uh, we need men who are going to be deacons. And some people are happy with one deacon. Some people are happy with two deacons. Some people want a multiplicity of deacons. 
Now, if you've got 2,000 people in the church, you'd probably need more than three or four deacons. But if you've only got a small church, you only need one or two deacons. And, of course, the deacons are not there to keep the pastor in line, and the elders aren't there to keep the pastor in line. I mean, the congregation is the one that hires and fires pastors and teachers and deacons and elders. I mean, the power of the local church, the authority of the local church... I'll say this to you, there's no higher authority on the earth today than the local church. God did not give the authority to the government to reach people with the gospel. He gave the authority to uh, the local church. He said, you shall receive power. That's the dynamic. That is what's needed to get the job done. Two words there. The Greek word uh, dynamos, dynamo, dynamic, dynamite, the power, the ability to get the job done. The other word is exousius, that means authority. There are people that God has given the authority to get things done. And so uh, it says over there in John chapter 1, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that word there, power is exousius, the authority to become the sons of God. So we can go and do things because we have the authority of God's word behind us. Number one, as a local church. Number two, as believers. We can stand upon the Word of God and we can teach and uh, defend ourselves based upon the Word of God. So if the government says, I want you to stop teaching this doctrine in your church because it's not going to be allowed anymore. So what are we going to say? Oh, okay. No. We're going to say, Whoa, hang on a minute. You're interfering with the teachings of God's Word. That's not your business. That's the local church's business. We're going to do what God wants us to do based upon what this book teaches. I've had the government tell me, oh, you know what, you need to change some things in your constitution because if we don't agree with it, I don't care. I said, oh, there's no way we can change some things in that constitution. And they said, well, if we want you to change it, you'll have to change it. And I said, that's not going to happen. So we need to be sure about this in our Christian life. I mean, if they came along and said you have to do this and this and this, if it's a, an attack on your faith or your belief or your practice as a Christian, you need to say, no, I'm not going to do it. And so it is with the local church. The local church, the deacons need to back you up and you need to back the deacons up on this. You all need to be one mind, one accord and unified on all of these things that are taught within the Word of God. So the deacon is a servant of the local church. The pastor is a servant of the local church, even though he might like, may not like to think like that. The evangelist, he is also a servant of the local church. Go to Acts chapter 8. There's a guy here, and incidentally, he is one of those seven fellows that were selected there in Acts chapter 6. Uh, he wasn't a deacon. He was a deacon. He was chosen to be a deacon, but then the church got destroyed. He wound up being an evangelist. Wow. And that was Philip. And so we look at Philip, we look at Stephen. These both were chosen out of the uh, uh, men there in Acts chapter 6 to become deacons and serve the church. But then the church was destroyed and so we find uh, Philip was one of those that were scattered everywhere and he went preaching the word and uh, what was happening. He, he was being used. Look down here in uh, Acts 8 verse 4. And they went everywhere, uh, scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preach Christ unto them. You know, there's already people gotten saved in Samaria, wasn't there? Yeah. What did the disciples say about that? What's he doing here? Why has he come to Samaria? Talking to a woman at a well, hello. 
what business? And so the Lord Jesus Christ said, uh, I have meat to eat that you know not of. And you know what? There was already a number of people in Samaria that knew the Lord Jesus Christ. What better place to start a church? So Philip went down there and he started preaching the word of God there. And it says there, Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, seeing, uh, hearing and seeing, look, the miracles which he did. I believe Philip was one of those guys that had been gifted by the Lord Jesus Christ to go out and perform those miracles. He may have been one of the 70. That's just a speculation. And so people took notice of what he said, what he did. And incidentally, these signed gifts were given, as you read the book of Acts, they were given to authenticate the word that was preached. You've only got to read the scriptures to see that. The Lord Jesus Christ, his ministry was authenticated by the miracles which he did. He showed the approval of God the Father upon his life because he went about doing good, healing the sick, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, making the lame to walk. As you read the scriptures, it says the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry was authenticated by these signs and those sign gifts would begin to disappear. And then, of course, as we go through, like I said, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, Romans chapter 12, and then down to Acts chapter 4, we find that there's not as many things in the local church now as there used to be in the first century. Why is that? Because God said some things would diminish. As we got the full revelation of the word of God together, there'd be some things we would not need anymore because we would have the full teaching and full revelation of God's word and God's spirit to teach us. And so the men of God who stand up in this sacred desk here, they're there to preach, they're there to teach, they're there to edify, they're there to uh, help you in your understanding of God's word. If the guy behind the pulpit here gets too uh, big-headed, he gets a you know, big head. His wings need to be clipped. He's flying too high. You know? And the local church has the power to hire and fire. They are the ones that need to bring that guy down uh, to the place where he needs to be humble. And so it is with deacons. The evangelist, he's the one, a new evangelist one, uh, a new and evangelist one time, his name was Dr. Phil Shuler. Anybody know Phil Shuler? Anybody ever heard of Phil Shuler? His father was uh, Robert Shuler, not the charismatic. This was Fighting Bob Shuler. He was an old Methodist preacher. You never heard of him, Brother Jim? Well, I tell you what, uh, Brother Phil Shuler was a great evangelist and he came out here and I heard him speak and he was in a Bible college down south and I got invited to hear him speak and he said, now, you young fellas have a responsibility to get the word of God out here in Australia. He said, you may sow the seeds for 10, 20, 30 years and then see nothing come of that. He said, you know what, your children may be the ones to reap what you have sown. But he said, you still have a job and a responsibility to get the word of God out. And that's what the church is doing. It's getting the word of God out. Wherever I go, I tell people about this work here. I tell people about these uh, modules that are being taught here. Brother Luke, where are you? He's hiding. Oh, yeah, then I don't worry about him. So I tell, <laughs> we, he doesn't need to hear it anyway. But uh, I tell people about this work here, I say, how it has flourished 
because of all the people that are coming to hear the word of God and to get a knowledge of God's word. Why? So they can go back to their own local churches and be used of the Lord uh, in the service of the Lord to bring other people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's what the ministry of the church is all about. So the officers of the church are the bishop. He's the poemon, okay? He can be an elder. He doesn't have to be an elder. And so uh, then, of course, there's the deacon. He's the guy who is the servant. He works with the church. He works with the pastor. Pastors and deacons should not work against one another. They should work with one another. They should work in one mind, one accord with the local church. And so thank God for deacons. Now, we haven't had any deacons. You notice that? We haven't had any deacons because, number one, there are some people I asked over the years, how would you like to be a deacon? No. <laughs> well, I don't think I want you as a deacon. So, but, you know, there'll be a time when we will have deacons. And thank God for churches that have got deacons. And uh, I think they're a necessity. I think they are a help. But then, of course, evangelists. I'm hoping one day God's going to raise up some people out of this church and this assembly here and this group to be evangelists. Had a young fellow down south come to me. He said, well, brother, he says, I feel God's calling me to be an evangelist. I said, well, that's great. I said, he said, I think I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and reach this church and this church and this church to see if I can get meetings. I said, well, that's great to want to do that. I said, but what you need to do is work, number one, within your own local church first and then let them see your working, your ability, your teaching and so forth, so that they can say, this is a man that we can put our endorsement on. We believe God's called him to be an evangelist. We'd like to introduce him to you, and if you could use him in the ministry for meetings uh, to preach the gospel to you or to preach some things to you, by all means, have him come along. So I told that young man, you need to firstly get established in your own local church, be used of the Lord there, let you be seen uh, of uh, being used of the Lord there by the people in the local church, because, listen, there's no higher authority than the local church. And I thank God for the local church. He put me into a local church in 1973. He called me to preach in 1974. I was ordained in 1975. And next year, it'll be 50 years we've been going at this. And I thank the Lord for that. Uh, and, and listen, you'll face battles. You'll face struggles, whether you are a Sunday school teacher if you are a deacon, if you are a bishop, if you are a pastor, you're going to come across things. People are going to throw all sorts of insults at you. Okay? But you have to learn to roll with the punches. And learn not to argue with them. Say, oh, well, that's what you think. But, you know, the Word of God says different. So let me uh, finish up today by asking you, is there any question or any there's something you didn't understand? You got it all. So, yes, sir. Um, I was just thinking about that last thing you said there, Brandon. You said, This is the Lord Jesus said he loved his, his love for us. Yes. He's seen in his dying for us yep. so much more. The reflection of the pastor or the leaders speaking is. Their love for the shepherd's love is sheep. Yep. And that reflection should be seen in those people, in those leaders, to love their sheep. There are some mongrel sheep and there are some good sheep. Yep. But 
the leaders that can't deal with both should not be there. Obviously, they don't truly love all the sheep. Sometimes the sheep's legs need to be broken too. That's exactly right. And so that's, that's just one thing that, yeah. you know, that filters through from Christ through the whole, that whole yeah. system of leading to us. Yep. And, um, yeah, that they shall know that, they shall know when they see the love for one another. That's exactly it. So, you know, there's a responsibility for every one of us and the deacons are to be blameless, the bishop is to be blameless, uh, the husbands are one wise and we're supposed to be hospitable people. I mean, the standards are there written in the word of God and if uh, these people aren't meeting those standards, we need to sack them. So, anybody else got a question or a comment? Sir? I like it says two that are among you and then it gives the criteria. Yep. It's true. Yeah. As people yeah. see, they can be used more mightily of God. Yeah. Also, it, on, on that point, you know, um, we're in, supposed to be in submission to authority. We're supposed to be in submission to the pastor, to the deacons, and if you've got elders, and the elders are men of um, responsibility, men of counsel, uh, you know, we should be looking to them for advice, and if we're not going to be submitted to them, uh, we need to go and have a good dose of humility and humble ourselves. Because these men have been put into place to uh, help the church, to help the church to grow, to help us in our own individual lives. So thanks for that, Brother Dave. And uh, yeah, with what, what the Lord Jesus Christ say, he said, without me you can do nothing, John chapter 15. So it all gets down to it. Look, we rely one uh, uh, on one another. So it also says, let's be subject one to another. So not just the... Guys, and Peter said not to be overlords of God's flock, but you know, we are to be ministers, just like servants. And so that's not only for the bishop, the pastor, the uh, Sunday school teacher, the deacon. Every one of us need to be submissive one to another. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the officers in the church. I pray, Lord, that we'd consult the word of God for all the answers, Lord, because the answers are there. We also read in John chapter 20 and John chapter 21, there's a lot of things, Lord, that you didn't tell us. You didn't want us to know. You told us, Lord, there's so many things we will never know till we get to heaven that were never recorded in the Word of God. So help us to accept that humbly as well in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Lord, thank you.